When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 787, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you who are part of the solution and not part of the problem. Broken arrows along the shore Seems you intended Welcome to my fanboy pick of the week 787. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and this is my returning co-host, Josh Flanagan. Is that, We're is really that... all very happy you're back, Josh. Yeah. Um, feeling better up and walking around. <laughs> yes. We realize, you know, you had a hardship. You went through the, we thank everybody who contributed to the GoFundMe <laughs> for Josh's recovery. You know, and, there are times when I think... You know, if something really goes wrong, I bet I'm almost well-known enough to get through with a GoFundMe. I've thought that before. But then I thought, what if I'm not, and how sad that would be on top of enormous financial hardship that I was like, nope, not enough people listen to the podcast to help. Unfortunately, most of those funds went to administrative costs, but... Yeah. um, The graft in this organization. (laughs) We're just glad you're feeling better. So tell us about the show. Oh, yeah. We are a fanboy. Everyone can read a bunch of comics. One of us picks a favorite, the one they call it Pick of the Week. We talk about that book, other books. We hope to talk about the Patreon pick. We hope to talk to some listener mail. We have a good time. This is a review show, so that's your spoiler warning. There'll be some spoilers if possible. Uh, you know, use your brain. This week, you had a pick, Josh. Yeah, the Pick of the Week this week is the Green Arrow 80th Anniversary 100-page Super Spectacular. Um, and you might be thinking, that's weird, Josh, if you've been paying attention to the show, because I don't normally like the anthology issues. And mm-hmm. sometimes I resent having to read an 80 to 100 page book on the week that, you know, you have to the pick. Uh, that said, good is good. And, and really, honestly, if the only thing that I had read in this was the last short story written mm-hmm. by Denny O'Neill's brother, Larry O'Neill, drawn this by his son. Uh, I thought, yeah, I guess it's his son. I was thinking brother, but that's because I've been reading the Stan Lee book and I was thinking of Larry Lieber. Um, uh, Jorge Fornes and Dave Stewart on art. And uh, I mean, the whole thing really was a fun issue. Uh, Oliver Queen's a super fun character, but that... Well, I mean, yeah, we're going to spend some time on the final story, but I do want to say that um, to anyone who's surprised by this, like... Oliver Queen, Green Arrow, is one of our favorite characters. He's not, yeah. He doesn't have a book right now. There's no Green Arrow comic right now. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and he doesn't have great books always. No, but, well, I wouldn't say, the thing is, like, throughout the, the life of this show, mm-hmm. he, for the most part, he's had good books, you know? Um, yeah, but, but I'm, I'm, I guess what I'm getting from, at is, like, it's a character Kevin I Smith's like. Judd Winnick to all the, you know, we've all, he's, he's always been one of this show's favorite characters. Yes, and no, totally. he's not but, around right now. Yeah, but I also think that like not all of the series because there's been a lot. It's not like there's one series that's on issue, you know, five hundred now. So like it's like they keep launching new series, and some of them have been fantastic, and others have been okay. And I and I've dropped off some, so I don't like always read him. Um, but he's mm-hmm. always he's always also a great character in an ensemble setting. I mean, mm-hmm. he's always one of the most fun characters to put in next to Batman or next to Superman or or anything like that. Um, you know, it's it's similar. It, you think it's similar to Hawkeye, but it it's a different thing. You know, I mean, he's a different he, kind of character. Yeah. He's a blonde, wisecracking archer, so therefore you like him. But um, <laughs> he's, you know, I've been a, I've always liked Green Arrow. You know, from my entire sure. comic reading life. But it was the 1988 Mike Grell series that made me into a huge Green Arrow fan. You know, that, that series went for 80 issues. It was it was a pre Vertigo Vertigo Green Arrow series. Mm-hmm. And that that series made me into a huge Green Arrow fan. Ever since then, I've always read Green Arrow books. And you know, if you go back and 
you know, our, our love of the Judd Winnick run, the Green, Green Arrow and Black Canary book, and just the Green Arrow solo book, the Phil, with the Phil Hester art, the Kevin Smith book, you know, he, it, we, you had decade, a decade plus of a great Green Arrow yeah. comics. Um, and so it's, it's a bummer he's not even in a book right now. And it's a bummer that really, they didn't really know what to do with him after the New 52. Do you, you know, think, it, I mean, do you think the TV show sort of negatively affected his, his presence in the comics? I don't know. Because I, 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 I came back to it at one point, and all, and all of a sudden, like, everything had changed. Like, the supporting cast. Yeah. That, and it was all very different. And, you know, they've gone through various sort of, like, ages of him. You know, like, how, how old they want him to be, where they want, you know. And the sort of classic, you know, a little bit of hot-headed, you know. I love the totally in love with Black Canary, Green Arrow, mm-hmm. as a thing. Mm-hmm. I, I just think... Some characters work really well in a couple, and others don't. And and those two characters work great together. Um, they do. Let's I don't, let's talk about this because this is a really great overview of the character. You know, yeah. starting with the Silver Age style, Mariko Tamaki, Javier Rodriguez opening story, um, and then after that, you got you know all the important bits of him. You know, the mm-hmm. there's a lot of there's a lot of him being loved black canary here. There's 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 a story about him being part of the Justice League. There's there's a whole thing focusing on Roy and, and his tough life. And um, I loved the story, the Tom Taylor and Nicola Scott story, where he, tra- he trains with Wildcat. Um, yeah, you know, what, let's let's pound through the here. stories real quick. We'll yeah. just sort of mm-hmm. sort of give a give a note on each of them. Uh, the first story, uh, the Disappearing Bandit by Tamaki and and Javier Rodriguez. Obviously, Javier Rodriguez, beautiful. You know, mm-hmm. um, I don't know that I loved the story, but I loved looking at it and sort of that golden age or silver age feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it was it was very much like, oh, we've got a crazy villain and here's the solution. We're going to cover him in paint. You know, it was just just a simple sort of old it was a silver age story. Yep, yeah, totally. And then you go into the punching evil, the Tom Taylor, Nicola Scott and Nicola Scott. Wow, this is gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, Annette Kwok on colors, a name I don't know, but this is a different sort of version of Nicola Scott that I have seen. Uh, and it's just, he goes into, uh, I want to say Mockingbird, Black Canary goes and makes him train with Ted Grant, you know, and, and the best part is he walks in, he's like, I'm not going to do this. And then Batman walks out with a towel around his neck. All right, I'll see you next week. And he's like, all right, I'll do it. Um, you know, a villain shows up and it's basically also the origin of the boxing glove arrow, which I thought was pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, moving on, you got to Who Watches the Watchtower, which is a comic pun par excellence. Um, by Stephanie yeah. Phillips with art by Chris Mooneyham. But let's be honest, this is Chris Mooneyham doing a dead-on Neil Adams. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Green Arrow, which uh, was delightful. Really fun little story where they all go off to space. And like, you be on duty, because he's the guy without superpowers. And he's you've got his full-on Errol Flynn mustache and little little uh, <laughs> Robin Hood cap. And he has to fight lots of big aliens. Um, yeah. Super fun. Beautiful. Yeah. Then you got uh, just the usual sort of stuff written and illustrated by Mike Grell. Um, and, and when you look at Mike Grell, uh, you can see that he's not really a, a modern artist now, but in the context no. of the time, boy, was he ahead of it. Yes. Um, you know, and, and that was fine. You know, a little, little uh, intrigue. At the, this is the kind of story that I would, you know, that I like for Green Arrow is that he's, you know, he's, he's hiding out in the shadows and trying to take down criminal enterprises and, and shooting people, which is fun. Yeah. Uh, the arrow and the song, which was Rom V and Christopher Mitten. Christopher Mitten haven't seen in a while. Didn't like this one that much. Yeah, this was my least favorite one. Yeah, uh, it's it's sort of about you know the island, and then there's it's uh it's uh, put um it's held up by Nathaniel Hawthorne's uh, I think Hiawatha is the poem, uh which wasn't great. Did you did I I had only learned recently that like the island. And the sort of that origin of this Oliver Queen was Jack Kirby. Yeah, that was in the book. Yeah, I, I just I, I feel like that Jack people, Kirby book. Is, that's crazy that that's him. I, when I read that, I was like, I, I had no idea uh, that that was yet another thing that we all take for granted as just history that we know. Um, yeah. This this other one was this weird middle bit was strange where they well, took this wasn't a story. This was yeah. just a bunch of highlights from his all of his runs like. You know, lessons from Green Arrow. Oh, no, you're too shortcomings. Mm-hmm. If it ain't your house, don't roughhouse. But it's all just an excuse to show panels yeah. from Green Arrow throughout the ages, which I thought was, you know, it was nice to see, like, the Amanda Connor art from the wedding special and Phil Hester and 
you know, you know Scott McDaniel. Like, it's just a, cla- you know. Yeah. It's a fun little bit, but I think one thing that's really interesting to me is that whenever you're in a comic book and they're doing something outside of the normal page or the cover treatment or whatever, and somebody's had to put together this thing, the graphic design is always like, this isn't a professional. <laughs> this is, it's, they're like, there's no staff for that. There's the artist to put the stuff together, but when they have to put something together, like, like this, you know, uh, just graphic piece, it's just, oh, it's, it's some uh, Bush League they stuff. Got, they got rid of their, their high-end graphic people. I guess so. Else. They did. Yeah. No more chip kid. <laughs> well, he was good at it. Others are not. Um, oh, is the, is the uh, Green Man and the Autumn Sun, this is the, the Devin Grayson yeah. Uh, this is this is more of a Connor Hawk story. Yep. Uh, the art here by Max Fiamura, who I haven't seen in some time, was fantastic. I that's Jorge really... Corona. Oh wait. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. This is the this is the Brandon Thomas Jorge Corona. Right. Story. Okay. That's one. Um, yeah. That. Okay. The Jorge Corona art. And I think every time he comes up, we mention him and like this guy's mm-hmm. great. You know, Connor Hawk is one of those characters who I I really like. Uh, Were you around for that run? I by the end of it, but I wasn't really reading when at the time. Ollie was quote unquote dead, and he took yeah. over. I mean, that was when so, I started yeah, I reading comics again. That right, was, that was the beginning case. of the JLA run, right? Um, but it's it is it's an interesting dynamic between him and his father, and the fact that you know Connor Hawk is you know this exquisitely trained martial artist. He's like one of the best fighters. There's a, there's about ten characters who are the best fighter in the DCU, right. but uh, he's one of them. Um, but I, I just, I think, I've always thought it was an interesting dynamic, and I, I kind of like, I don't know that they work well existing in the same plane together, but sort of get a one-off yeah. of this character is fun, mm-hmm. I think. God, that's, and that's yeah. it's gorgeous. The sort of, there's a yeah. shot where he's jumping through the air uh, at the beginning. Like, he's jumping, I guess, into a building that has a big hole blown in it, or something like yeah. that. Yeah. That's a beautiful shot. Um, he just has the one arrow. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They got a bunch of guys with this one sort of not a boxing glove, but it's just some sort of like. It looks like a suction cup. It just sort of, but it, but it hurts people. So Punches it must them. be some sort of like, yeah. Yeah. It's hard to see it. I can't tell you what kind of arrow it is, but it doesn't really matter. I like that I don't really have an idea about what his bow is supposed to, any of the bows are supposed to look like. I never go, well, the bow's wrong. I don't think that. I just, you know, whatever they want to draw him with, it's fine. It's kind of, it's kind of interesting. Like these characters all kind of work. I mean, there's lots of costumes that kind of work and, and you can have right. various degrees of sort of how classic it is or how it is. I guess I also like Connor Hawk's costume. I think it's a nice version of that. The next story is the Devin Grayson, Max Fiumore story. Now this one, I don't actually know a heck of a lot about Roy Speedy Arsenal. And I did not know <laughs> that he supposedly grew up with, with native Americans as, yeah, as a did. thing. Yeah. Um, it's pretty good. The art was beautiful. Yes, it is. Absolutely. I enjoyed it. It was like learning something new about characters that have been around forever. And I also really liked the idea that um, he just told his daughter everything. You know, she's <laughs> like, that was when you were on drugs. It's you know, like, yep. <laughs> and uh, that was fun. I like that. Yeah. Um, I was very pleased to sort of flip the page and you see in uh, Star City Star, you see uh, Phil Hester and Andy Parks, uh, story written and drawn by Phil Hester. You know, to me, this was that, that uh, Kevin Smith uh green arrow with this art team was was ollie coming back in my time it was a long it was a long run on that that, that yeah yeah and i you know really important it's some of my favorite art it's some of my favorite uh green lantern art for sure like i'm sorry green arrow green lantern was on the page i was looking at uh (laughs) like this is what green arrow looks like to me this is what the art should look like in a green arrow book and um I, i don't feel like that art team gets enough credit for being no and this was a nice little overview of that particular era so yeah that you had you had like Anamatopia and Count Vertigo and Black Canary shows up and Hal Jordan. Like it was a very nice sort of like this was what that run was, mm-hmm. you know, about. Anamatopia was a great villain, like okay. a late, like like it was a late era villain that was written like a classic villain, and it's just sort of silly but also dangerous and mysterious. And I don't, again, I don't think they get credit for that. I don't think they use him very much. But um, no, I don't think so. Speedy. Uh, let's see. We're heading into happy anniversary again. This is that relationship we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Vita Ayala and Laura Braga. And it's, just, it's really funny that it's their anniversary and uh and uh Ollie Queen is kidnapped by Deathstroke and then she thinks, Oh, he set up a little game for us. <laughs> yeah, a little Which, kidnapping game. That's fun. Some fucked up sex <laughs> shit. 
And well, I'll, you know, I'll they are they are very experimental. But yeah, I thought that was that was fun. That's true. I'm not being paid enough for this bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, heading into the final part, we got Sympathy of the Woods by Ben Percy and Otto Schmidt. Um, I don't fully understand the setup of this. This is more getting into the current. Yeah, I didn't love the story, but, you know, obviously Otto Schmidt is yes. terrific, terrific, really terrific. This is the late stage this is Green Arrow with, with Diggle from the TV show plus the two other characters whose names I don't even know. Is Black Canary in this show? Yes. Okay. They, that's a whole long – they fucked their character up, so they had to redo it as a white canary because the first version was terrible. Um, but, uh, yeah, this was great to look at. But I, this is, I didn't love the late – you know, later versions of Green Arrow, the book. I read them, but I didn't love them. Right. Yeah, no. That, and that's kind of what I was but getting at. Like, it just, The art was terrific. Otto Schmidt's so good. Um, and we wrap up the sort of Green Arrow stories with the last Green Arrow story by Jeff Lemire and uh, Andrea Sorrentino, who had the book for a while. Um, this is sort of like the the end of time. I, and this was absolutely gorgeous, but I also lost the thread at the end of it. Like, did he burn himself alive? Yeah, that was really fucked up. Like, he goes back to the island as an old man and uh, I guess meets himself as a young man and gets his last arrow and then sits in a bonfire and dies i don't i was like okay i i i I like i think i thought i figured out what it was but then i thought well why would you do that like i think it's a little strange for a celebratory issue (laughs) it really was like i i don't i don't think of him as wandering off into the woods and setting himself up as a conflagration like he's some kind of monk that's not that doesn't seem yeah. yeah, and I liked I liked the Lemire Sorrentino run for the most part, but they did set him up as some sort of like totem character. You know, mm-hmm. the, the worst impulse of all superhero writers is we'll make <laughs> we'll make Spider Man or Green Arrow a totem character. There's always there's always been a Green Arrow. Like just, no, yeah. yeah, it it changes the heroism and it makes it stupid. But um, also, like the thing about that character is that he's a rich guy, but he's just a guy. Yeah. You know, he's a guy with conviction and. Mm-hmm. You know, that's funny. There's, there's always like this weird, like they write him like a very blue collar person, right. you know, which is not how like Danny Rand gets written. Danny Rand gets written by as like a rich people, rich person who is down, you know, you know, in the world trying to fit in with the street, but he doesn't quite fit. Whereas, you know, you would think that, that Oliver Queen is a, is sort of a blue collar guy. Um, yeah. And it works that way. So yeah, it's kind of, it's. What are your hungers. thoughts on the Oliver Queen chili recipe? That's someone who makes chili quite often. I thought it was um, this the it was pretty basic. I thought mm-hmm. uh, there was nothing sort of crazy, and it, the only ones that I didn't quite understand were I don't know about basil in there, uh, and this is California chili powder and Gebhardt chili powder. Those those are basically the only things in here that you would not expect in a normal chili. Mm-hmm. And then there's a part earlier where it says one teaspoon of cayenne. I like it hot, and I was like, well, that's not very hot. You need a lot more than one <laughs> teaspoon. And then there's only, yeah, there's only two tablespoons of chili powder. I make relatively mild chili with three tablespoons, you know, because my wife won't eat it if it's super spicy. So right. I, I don't know about putting Tabasco in it either. I don't know. Lean sirloin chunks. That's You got to slow cook that if you're going to do that. I want to well, make, it says I, that. It says I'm actually going to make chili tonight, by the way. Just simmer for several hours. You should make this chili. I'm working on my recipe. I'm I'm honing in on it. I you know I want to get it. What if this is a great recipe though? You don't know. Well, it's. I mean, the the basis of this chili recipe is pretty basic. I mean, like it's not it's not very far from what I do. It's just I wouldn't add basil to it, and I don't have this whatever this weird chili powder is. Um, I need to go get some better chili powders. I know that much. Brown sugar. The brown sugar takes away from the spicy part. You know what I like to do? What? I like to add. Uh, a, a hunk of dark chocolate to the chili at the end mm. when it's finished and you mix it in there, it melts it and it's very, very good. Okay. So finally, uh, we have uh, Tap, 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 um, which reminds me of some other story that's, oh, it's from The Wire, where they're talking, anyway, um, uh, by Larry O'Neill, uh, who is uh, Danny O'Neill's son, um, and again, by Jorge Fornes and Dave, Dave Stewart. And when I realized what this was going to be as soon as I started, which is basically... A graphic biography of 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 legendary comic book creator Denny O'Neill. You know, I was excited, and then as I went through it, 
it just every page turn got better and better. I've the, the hairs on my arms are standing up right now yeah. as I look through it. So it, you know, Danny O'Neill, people don't know, was one of the all-time great comic book writers, editors. You know, one of the most important people in comics. Frank Miller gets all the credit for making Batman incredibly serious and modern with the Dark Knight, as he should. But Danny O'Neill, Neil Adams had already started that process mm-hmm. themselves. Like the. And then he did he did something similar with Green Arrow with the Green Arrow Green Lantern book with you know the road trip across America to hard traveling heroes, you know, amongst many other characters he that he wrote. But the, but his probably two most famous were Green Arrow and Batman. And you know he died recently. One of the one of the most legendary people to work in the last you know twenty thirty years in comics. Yeah. So and a beloved figure, you know, like yes. um, you know, I remember Tankerous, old school comic guy. Yeah, Just but great. but would never never not the kind who like didn't know what like didn't know that he wasn't in the past anymore. You know, like he 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 you know he grew with times. I think I remember you, uh, we had a friend uh, who took a comic book writing class with him in the two thousands. Mm-hmm. And on the one hand, I thought that's great that he's doing that kind of thing. And on the other hand, I thought it's I hope it's not because he has to because mm-hmm. he doesn't. Like it didn't deserve that. So I hope that he did it because he enjoyed it or whatever. But, you know, the fact that, I mean, you get to just take a class with Denny O'Neill. I mean, could you, I, I wish I'd known about it, even if I didn't want him to teach me just to sort of be there. Um, right. And I just, the the way that this was told, I'm trying to figure out how to describe it. it it's all told through these interesting, there's no dialogue. It's all told balloons. through these interesting word balloons that are graphical and show, like the first page is a kid, Denny O'Neill, listening to the radio um, and it's a, you know, Drink Western up. story. So the balloon is shaped like a cowboy hat. Inside the cowboy hat is a cowboy and a horse. And you can see the spark of fire in his eye. You know, tell it's the, it's shaped like a cowboy in his eye. And yeah. he's, he's thinking of stories, you know. And that's it's funny because that's what there's one little bit where he's sitting at a typewriter, and you know, there's a superhero sort of Captain America ish character. In his mind, and then and then you've got another one that points at the paper, and it says, "You know, comic writer test." But everything coming out of his head is a story, or mm-hmm. a concept, or a thing that goes into a story. Um, it's, it's just beautiful, and it's, even when he's in the army in the navy, yeah, sorry, navy, he's uh, thinking about a detective story. There's a tech, you know, gun shaped war balloon with a detective crashed through a window, and working in the the deli, he's he's reading a Superman comic, and you know, just it's just. And that that's it, second to last page where like there's this big bookshelf, and then they arrange all of his trophies and and you know wins on them. And there's his awards, his yeah. awards, and then they're watching TV. And, and the, by the way, the best thing is that apparently he has the original art of um, <laughs> uh, Muhammad Ali versus Superman in his in his house. Which holy shit! Um, well, like, well, it's only half of it. Can't be the original art because that, that's a double page spread. Sure, fair enough. Uh, and then he's watching TV, and you just see like a little Batman symbol come out of the TV. And then older, I guess his wife's gone there. Yeah, probably. She doesn't show up again. I didn't yeah. even notice that. That's even sad. And, uh, you know, he's watching, he sees all of these different superheroes coming out of the TV, and he's sort of leaned over a little more. You know, and it's just, it, we're watching him grow older. And and then, you know, he's in his hospital bed, and you see the original one of the cowboy, and it sort of fades out in the word balloon. You know, and then you have what is always... It's a cliched, but it seems to be an effective image. Is it's very effective. Is the superheroes sort of all, you know, bowing their heads in reference around, or in reverence around him in his deathbed in the hospital, and I mean it works, man. And you've got Oliver Queen sort of sat on the bed uh, with his arm on him and holding his hand. Yeah, I mean, like it was just a story that that projected love towards this character who did so much uh, for this industry and. I finished it and I was like, I, th- I mean, this is a pick, this is a pick of the week if ever there was, um, sure. if only for this story. But I also really enjoy the rest of it. Yeah. All right. For sure. We got to move along. <laughs> so that, that was a trip. It's one of the best 80, 80th anniversary. I think this and Rob are the two pages. best ones. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Um, Beta Ray Bill continues to be credible. I, I one of my favorite books being published. This is issue four of five, and. Uh, we, this is sort of similarly to Green Arrow. This is sort of a look at Barry Rebill's life as they this sort of psychic space octopus has their ship in its clutches. So everybody's stuck in these sort of fantasies. Yeah. And he see, he has to go through everything and see his original appearance, the fight with Thor, which is you know awesome and dynamically drawn by Daniel Warren Johnson, who's does the writing and the art on this. 
and, uh, and the then, body horror of him getting his procedures done to turn him into this superhuman being and, you know, unwrapping his face, not unlike Jack Napier, and punching yeah. the mirror. <laughs> mirror. Bob. Mirror! And then the, the last time he sees his mom, and then a giant space, but, like, just all kinds of terrific things here. And then he, you know, escapes, and the ship's obviously in love with him. And he finds the sword he's been looking for, but it's Searcher's sword, so Searcher shows up and says, you can't take my sword without a fight. So that's going to be the final issue. It, I mean, gorgeous. This book's gorgeous. This book yeah. is beautiful. It's heartfelt. It's um, that perfect blend of sort of fantasy and melodrama and heart and, you know, everything is amped up, but nothing comes across as insincere. It's it's a really fine line that, that's tough to do in comics. And, you know, he has, was, he, he has the ability to do that sort of grand last panel, uh, uh, you know, splash page, you know, and you, oh no, shit's about to go down and you have to wait. <laughs> He does incredibly large, grand-scale, operatic yeah. stuff, as well as really small, intimate moments really well. What I like about this book, amongst many things, is Bader and Bill is someone I always loved but didn't know a ton about, just simply because I didn't read his early stories. So mm -hmm. I'm learning a lot about him. And you know, when this book started, I didn't know he was a robot horse that mm -hmm. changed to a man, man-like character. I thought he was some just, of that just what Bill in, was. Some of that is, like, the basis for that stuff is in the Simonson one. Um, it's more detailed, but it kind of got lost in time. But I, I think one of the things that's interesting about that is that, you know, they're filling in this background and that is fraught with peril, you know, mm -hmm. uh, but this is not disappointing. This all nope. works and makes sense. And like, these are the things that can be part, you know, a lot of sometimes filling in the mysteries of the background, you know, can ruin stuff, but this doesn't feel like that's happening here at all. Yeah. Just let's give Daniel Warren Johnson more of these sort of prestige miniseries. Or just let him do Thor. I was going to say that, but I thought it might be fun just to bounce. I don't know. Whatever he wants to do, really. Yeah. Because he's great. I agree. I agree. But yeah, and you're, you're right. Like this gives, you know, the, this mini series gives him the ability to sort of do what he wants to and not have to work within everything else. Or Yeah. It's fun. It's I'm really stuff. surprised to see Eternals number five on your list of books to talk about. Kier, uh, Kieran Gillen and Isad Ribic. Well, I think you're calling me Kieran. <laughs> Kieran. Um, yeah, it's not really, I thought you had stopped reading it. Didn't you stop? Reading I had it? not stopped reading it, but I still don't know what to make of it. Well, that's my review as well is I read this and I thought, I, I don't know what I'm doing here. I think it's because two reasons. One, I, is that right? Because it's beautiful. It's, wonderful. it's a beautiful book. But two, I just, the movie's coming. I, I want to know more about these characters. I don't know anything about them. And I don't and think I this is helping. Still don't really know much about them. There's stuff in here that I like. Like, there yes. are bits of a great comic book in here. And I don't even mean to say it's bad. But I can't figure out what I want to grab onto. And when I do, it doesn't stick around for very long. So the plot twists and the character sort of movements, like, is this character good or bad, don't mean enough because I don't know where I'm standing. I feel like almost everything I read from Kieran Gillen keeps me at an arm's length. And this is this is similar. And except occasionally he gets it just right. You know, when they did, uh, uh, he did Young Avengers with Jamie McKelvey, yeah. and that was fantastic. And yes, he did um, the Darth Vader book he did was fantastic. And and this seems more like old timey, like he's trying to be, uh, you know, obsequious and 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 less straightforward than he needs to be. And I don't want that. I like I just. There's great stuff in here. I can see it. I just can't quite grasp it. The stuff I tend to enjoy the most in here is the allusions to the old Marvel, you know, Avengers stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, Cersei and, and Gilgamesh, the Forgotten One. Um, this whole thing has been a, like a murder mystery. Who was killing the Eternals? Who destroyed the Great Machine? Which which is what brings them back to life after they die. But I don't have... killing them? But and I, I don't and that's have just a... sort of, we just sort of fly around, you know, in this issue, it's... We think it's Cersei, but then we find out at the end it's not Cersei. It's the guy and the other guy with the big hammer. We don't, know the, we don't know the uh, uh, the Festus, I think. Festus. We don't know the, the stakes because we don't understand the characters. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, yes, and that's my problem. It's like there's a murder mystery that I don't really have any grasp on, so I just sort of reading from scene to scene and, you know, enjoying the beautiful art and occasionally... I like I like Cersei's character. Mm -hmm. I liked her as an Avenger. There was a good uh, there's a good bit with um, Tony Stark there that, yeah. I, that I thought was really interesting. And then um, where she has to pretend to be the killer for some reasons unknown, other than I think just throw us off. That's why I felt like no, it was, it was to attract uh, Gilgamesh, the Forgotten One, 
like because she said it he's like he's been hunting all along so it drew him out because they thought maybe he was the killer but he's not and it's kind of an interesting characterization of that guy who i can only only barely remember <laughs> he looked ridiculous back then he had like a giant helmet with horns on yeah, it not, a, not like thor but like little like side it was like a bull suit yeah he was two he was two bulls as the rhino is to rhino I, think. I just, yeah, I'm still reading it, and I'm, Me too. I don't know. How much I'm glad. I'm. I mean, I'm not glad that I can't. So, but that I'm not alone. Yeah. But I, but I want to like it. I'm not quitting. I'm going to finish it. But I'm hoping it comes together in some way that I don't. I don't put a lot. Of, I wouldn't bet on it. So you're not reading crossover. I couldn't do it. This is uh, a special issue. So issue six ended the first arc. Issue seven featured a story by Chip Zdarsky. An art by Phil Hester and Andy Parks. You just we just talked about Green Arrow. Mm-hmm. Um, normally, this is Donny Cates and uh, Jeff Shaw. Yeah, I think. And so the conceit of this book, which we talked about before, is that uh, like a rip in reality opens up, and all of the comic book characters come into the real world, and they're all sort of they just you know around Denver. Everything got destroyed. They're all trapped in this dome. Comic book characters are considered to be like. You know, fugitives and dangerous, so they, they they get hunted. And one of the subplots, sort of in jokey things, is that comic book creators are are getting murdered, either in retaliation or who knows why. You know, there's been little stories in the background, like Brian K. Vaughn and Scott Snyder have been killed. And so the cover of this book is the missing post for Chip Zdarsky, aka Steve Murray, which is his real name, and. Uh, uh, a bloody handprint on it and a figure running off in the distance in the snow. And this whole issue is Chip Zdarsky writing about himself with art by Phil Hester and Andy Parks. And uh, it was really good. It was good. You know, he's living he's living underground as Dave Murray. And he's he goes from menial job to menial job. And he's really bad at all of them because all he can do is write comic books. And uh, then he ends up running into himself because in Sex Criminals, he and Matt Fraction put themselves in the book. So technically speaking, they are also comic book characters so he runs into the comic book version of himself and they're on the run together and it was just kind of weird and goofy and i liked it and the phil hester we just talked about phil hester andy parks looks really great and it's a nice little one shot where um they get they're getting chased and the comic book version you know sacrifices himself to save the real version and he he seems to recognize the killer but we don't know obviously we don't know who it is because it's off panel but um it's it, oh, and then the big the big reveal at the end is he goes he goes and tells the story. The real Chip Starsky tells the story to um, the cops from Powers for help. <laughs> so they're they're de- they're really digging into the Marvel. I'm in mean the Marvel. The image the image characters here because that's what they nice. can use. But, but I, uh, I really like this issue. I, I just I, I want to I want to touch it on again real quick. But like Phil Hester and Andy Parks are one of those teams, you know, and we don't get that inker penciler team so much anymore right. but when they work together you know joe casada jimmy palimiati you just get like a, th- a thing and well you know if you look at um what phil hester who is a multi-talented in many yeah. ways you look at the Fire art arts. that he did over on you know family tree with jeff lemire it's a different guy actually i didn't i didn't look at this like does this look like what the green arrow art looked like no not like that quite a bit oh really yeah andy know, parks it, is, I mean, is a great example of, of like an inker with a beautiful line you know just clean and and that to me seems so much harder uh than all the brushy stuff you know i like both kinds but there's something that always really impresses me about that it looked closer to um it looked closer to the art in the family tree okay yeah but either way Um, i can do all those things yeah if you ever get a chance if you haven't uh I, i did a talk explode with phil not too long ago, a year or two ago, a couple of years maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a great guy, and his story is really interesting. And, uh, you know, he just does a little bit of everything, and, and he's sort of on the margins because he's, you know, like not like a big name, but I'm always happy to see his name on stuff. Yeah, he he, he had a big run for a long time, mm-hmm. but it was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, have a lot of his characters. Um, the United States of Captain America. This was a big miniseries they've been teasing for a while. Christopher Cantwell was on story. Dale Eaglesham is on art, and it this this is kind of a road trip story through America as we see how oh, different people throughout the country have sort of taken up inspiration from Captain America to protect their communities. 
and it starts with Cap in a, in Brooklyn, and someone steals his uh, shield. Someone dressed as him who's very very fast. He can't catch. I love the opening where he's polishing the shield. I loved that scene where he gets all the ingredients down. It's like baking soda. And yeah, but he's using like very, you know, household things. Yeah. It's a very 40s, you know, baking soda, salt and vinegar and, you know, hot water. And he puts them into a thing and he polishes the shield very reverently because this, this Smithsonian's going to show his shield off. And that's when it gets stolen. And he calls up Falcon to help. And they end up running into this kid who is sort of Captain America of the rails. He, you know, he's, he lives on a train, a boxcar, and, you know, protects his people that way. I, I thought this was this was really fun. I like the idea that Captain America is an inspiration to people who are, you know, downtrodden and want to help, you know, want to help their community. And so this kid with, like, overalls and a cap mask, you know, and I don't know what kind of shield that is, but I liked it a lot. It looks like a garbage can lid. That's what I kept thinking, which, not effective. Yeah, in the backup story, he throws it at somebody, and I was like, oh, there must be some weight to it. Yeah. I don't like that he has a septum ring, because that's mm. just bad for battle. True. It's dangerous. <laughs> um, I, I would say I kind of liked it. I like the stuff that you're talking about, the sort of reverent Captain America things. Um, I like Dale, Dale Eaglesham a lot, but this was not my favorite version of his work. Everybody kind of looked off in proportions. And then there's one point where he gets on his motorcycle uh, on page 11 of the digital comic. And I was like, that's mm. a weird fucking looking motorcycle. <laughs> it's just odd. And, and obviously the, this isn't his fault, but the current uh, Falcon costume is just abysmal. Um, yeah, it's abysmal, but the, it sounds like he's going to put on the Falcon cap costume. So, so. He, at one point, like he goes out, I guess he always had the captain. No. Yeah. He's so, wearing, he's wearing not the captain America suit, but the captain Steve, the, uh, secret, the secrets, the super soldier suit. Right. Which I hate. Um, Oh, you hate it? I, thought, I, mean, I don't I, hate it. I just, I think what it, it felt like it changed on me, but that's because the invader came in in his classic costume. Right. And we were looking at it. And then later in the book, I was like, well, why is, why is he wearing that? That came from out of nowhere. I guess it, I guess it, it, it is it, wrong. It, they changed it, it on It did me. come out of nowhere. I don't, there's no reason for him to wear it other than to differentiate himself from the bad guy, which makes sense. That's, I mean, I like that as a reason. Um, I like that they have donuts together. I could, I could, I could, I think Cantwell should write um, Sam and Steve hanging out a lot. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Yeah. So this, the cover features, you know, Captain America, Falcon Cap, Bucky Cap, and John Walker. So uh, eventually, I guess, all the four, four Captain America is going to come together for this story. Then yeah. why not? Didn't, you know, uh, like Eagle Shim's, a, you know, a specific type. We loved him on as a society. He draws everybody if it's a throne steroids but not in like the ed mcginnis way but just everybody's sort of this bulky you know 1940s strong super circus strongman type a little bit of a pinhead thing going on though yeah but i mean that's okay that's the style i really I like the the jan uh Baz, bazuldua art mm-hmm. uh in the, in the second backup. in the backup story there's a there's a couple of beautiful pages in there yeah so the backup story focuses on the kid uh who you know, his origin aaron fisher and how he ends up being the captain america of the rails and uh, what a ridiculous concept and that is not a criticism there's a great shot on page 31 where he's jumping into the battle for the first time yeah, and that's what i was in his makeshift suit it's it's it's, it's good look like at like it, there's no there's no rail-based hobo community anymore right like that kid that's not still a know. thing you i mean we want there to be obviously i mean not for them but just for the you know no it, it, it fits the retro modern style of comics. You yes, know? it's like there's still a hobo community living on the on the rails. I'm okay. The with next, that. the next scene, the next issue shows both caps on motorcycles with a you know female cap. So um, she doesn't, uh, look, this she is doesn't just even get her on a motorcycle, and that is not highway. That is not proper highway safety. No. Aerodynamics are all off. This is just silly and hokey enough to be sweet. I'll give you that. And as you said, Cantwell does the characters really well. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed it. I didn't love it, but I liked it a lot. Patreon.com, everybody. That's where you can go support the show. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. The iFanboy patrons uh, not only keep the show going and help us pay the bills, but they've unlocked tons of great content for everyone to enjoy. They have unlocked the patron pick, which is a book we add to the show. The Talksplodes, Booksplodes, Mediasplodes shows we do for you every month. And the old YouTube content that we're putting up on uh, YouTube, our old video shows. All those things have been unlocked by the patrons. 
and they're for everyone. And then and patrons also get their own patron hangout, which we do every month, which is an hour of nonsense where we hang out with them and talk, and it's a good time. Uh, and we have stretch goals. If you feel like becoming a patron, you want to unlock our stretch goals. Again, we, we talked about it before. We may update the stretch goals when we have time. We just haven't had time. It's been very busy. But our next stretch goal is a monthly or weekly. We haven't really decided what it would be. A new show devoted to the classic 80s G.I. Joe cartoon. And one episode at a time. And then after that, the next goal after that is the return of the barbecue and email video show, uh, which just one of the most recent episodes just go, went up on YouTube. So um, we had a lot of fun doing those. And we would return those to a, as a, on a quarterly basis if they hit that stretch goal. Patrons also get the Fanboy Patreon Facebook group and the Fanboy Patreon Discord server. Both are great communities. People are hanging out there talking about comics all day long. Uh, there really is a growing community amongst those both those places, and it's really great to see. Absolutely, everybody's really nice to each other. Good conversations. You, and, re- uh, you really can't undersell that first bit, by the way. Yeah, oversell. Yeah. That's what I meant. And so, all those things are great um, benefits to being a patron. In addition to helping the show out, Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy. Also, ifanboy.threadless.com is where you can buy our T-shirts. Ifanboy logo, Herm, Pickley podcast ratings. If one is Electro, G. Dat, and if it makes sense, something matters. And stay home and read comics. Those are our designs. We have. Well, one we're working on hopefully soon we'll have it to you and there'll be nine shirts and they'll be great for everybody you can also get them on non-shirt items like phone covers bath mats notebooks um there's a shower curtain you can do if you feel like it <laughs> if it's allowed in your house and uh, we appreciate everybody buys any of those items and i found out to come slash support is our vi- the virtual digital tip jar via paypal if you want to just drop a dollar in the tip jar don't feel like becoming a patron or buying a shirt and also, obviously, ifanboy.com slash Amazon. That's where you can find our books, load books, and a general shopping link. And we think everybody does the above because the show is what it is, and it costs money to make, and we are listener-supported, as most non-corporate media is. And we thank everybody who helps us out, feels like we are worthy of their support. We hope we are worthy of you, and we thank you for, your, for all your help. Made in Korea number two, which I did not put the correct uh, uh, credits for, um, on any of these for some reason. So we'll work with that. Uh, by Jeremy Holt uh, from Image Comics. We talked about it uh, last month and really liked it as a debut. Um, I liked this issue, but I do think that it sort of it shifted what I thought it was going to be. Because before it was, I mean, it's still partially like a, a sci-fi uh, suspense kind of thing because something has to happen here but also there was a real alienation of this this girl who wants to be you know it's pinocchio she wants to be a real little mm-hmm. girl right and she goes to school because that's what she wants to fit in because she's read all the books and she understands it so and it's hard for her and then at the end apparently she is uh co-opted by a, a like a um what was the first big school shooting? Columbine. Yeah, the Columbine shooting. These two kind of kids who take her off into the woods and they find that they have all these guns in a shed that they're preparing for something. And I was like, whew, that got even heavier. Yeah, I mean, the whole vibe of that situation before the reveal is bad enough as it was. Like the yes. two yeah. creepy kids in the back, like take this, because she's too, she's too young for high school, but she's too smart to not be in high school. So, yeah. Um, you know, like, hey, we'll be your friend. And, and there and there are no shit. little kids. Like these seem to be the youngest kids because no one's having kids anymore, which is why they're robot right. kids to begin with. So it, it's interesting that the no more kids thing seems to have started not too long ago in this world. Yeah, and you think it would have been more chaotic. <laughs> I mean, they're all just going to school like it's no no big deal. Like the society, like I, I think that's what would happen. Though. About to go out. I mean, civilization is about to go extinct. And uh, I know, but people know. just carry on. That's what they do. Like it's it's like the easiest coping mechanism. So every time I think that, I I did think that, but I just think, you know, after what we just went through over the last year, people just try to act as normal as possible because it's the only way you can get through that kind of thing. And so kids still act like assholes. You know, nothing changes. They didn't go out and all learn how to farm because you know. So these guys have pipe bombs and they have these weird homemade guns, and so something's about something bad's about to happen. I mean, clearly they have they have usable, saleable skills. They have design skills, mechanical engineering. You know, you have a future. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but so, so it, like it's all good plotting stuff, and it worked. Yeah. But it, it it took a turn, and I was like, ooh, this makes me feel uncomfortable. Which is probably the point. Um, oh, for sure. There's a lot going on there, but I'm I'm it's still a good series. I'm glad it exists. Yes. Uh, that Texas Blood uh, came back after a little hiatus, and they finished up that first arc uh, with an issue number seven. Um, and this is by Chris Condon and Jacob Phillips, the, the scion of Sean Phillips, which is clear. Um, mm-hmm. I'm glad it was back. 
I don't quite remember how that other arc ended, but I don't think that it matters. This is like a a new, new story arc. about about a, a crime from the past that is haunting uh, this sheriff. This is what the first character. one's about. Too. Yeah, I would be happy if the book was just about him making models. I agree. Going to the going to the store, picking out a new sh- new plane. Ooh, this one's got a this one's uh, <laughs> this one. The nose didn't go past the wings. Very unusual. I then think, going home and trying to make the model cut in his finger. His wife's like, I don't want to bring you a rag. You're an idiot. Yeah. No, that's all good I stuff. By the I way, when them. an old couple gets along like that in a story, mm-hmm. one of them's going to die. And it's usually... Well, the maybe. Because they were like that in the first one, too. Yeah, I know. But there's one of those in misery. So this one has a satanic bent to it. Yeah. Yeah. This is a flashback to like... You know the '70s when the, the panic of Satanism was uh, was rife in the country, and the flashback to this crime that involved what they thought was perhaps a satanic cult. And at one point, he has a vision of a real creepy vision of a dude in a Satanist mask watching him across the street, and I was like, "Oh, mm-hmm. I mean, good. the book has an incredible ability to." do that sort of southern gothic horror thing where we'll yeah. just be going from day to day to some really horrific shit very quickly but also elegantly if i could use that word in that way uh it's a good book it's it's very and then harlan subtle. eversall the uh horror pi shows up at the end so <laughs> this one's going into deep, diving deep into that he's the pi from la harlan yeah. eversall this is a little bit more Fantastical than you know you get you're in your criminal books with uh, yeah. his father. But I really but I, I was it. glad I was glad to see it was back and I enjoyed reading it. Yeah. Shang Chi number two. I wanted to mention because it's it was I think one of the most fun I've had reading a Shang Chi book and all these Shang Chi books we've had. This this current arc written by Jean Lu and Yang with art by DK Ruin, um, probably pronounced correctly. Incorrectly, I'm sorry. Has been a bunch of team ups. The whole arc is called Shang Chi versus the Marvel Universe. First issue was him Spider Man. This is him and Captain America. And I thought this was incredibly fun and silly. In a way that I think Gene Lu and Yang usually isn't in these books. He's showing a lot of uh, variety in his ability lately in these books he's doing. He's like, he can do yeah. all sorts of different things. And this, did you read this one? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So this one, they go to like a supervillain, you know, the classic supervillain like auction. <laughs> because technically Shang-Chi is a supervillain because he runs the, uh, whatever they're called. Brotherhood the, or something. Commander of the Five Weapons Society. Yeah. And so... <laughs> His brother goes because he's in love with the woman running the auction, and and they they're trying to buy the cosmic cube to keep it safe. And uh, there's a terrifically funny uh, Modok in this. Um, <laughs> I don't think they're charging enough for that cosmic cube, by the way. No, I was all. like, that's not that much, relatively speaking. You know, in in terms of like like you can go ahead and spend all of the money you can find on it because you can change reality. Mm-hmm. So sure, do that. Um, there's I, aim guys, there's Hydra guys, yeah. there's Modoc, there, there's the hand, and then Captain America should bust it up. And I thought I thought that the sort of uh, I guess it was kind of a twist, but the idea that like you know he had to play a role and you didn't know how much he was being the criminal because he has to and how much he's helping Captain America, uh, and I thought that was all sort of well balanced and interesting. And there's a couple of switches and reverses. I thought this was really fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, the same way I wanted to mention Black Cat Annual Number One. If you recall, there's this strange cosmic, uh, I was going to say Infinity Gems, but Infinity Stones story running through the Marvel annuals. And each one has been about a hero running into a character who has been imbued with the power of the stone. Except for this one, because this one has nothing to I, do with any of that. I noticed that. Like, I'd forgotten that that was a thing. And there's a little backup in there, which I have no memory of reading. Even, I didn't even yesterday. read it, honestly. Yeah. I didn't even read it. I was but fine with that. This is just a regular black cat story tied into her regular run. I thought incredibly fun. She she's she her plane uh, lands in South Korea. She's been summoned to South Korea by their their the the White Fox who was in another book recently. Isn't was it Shang Chi? No, it was the Taskmaster book. Oh, oh, the Taskmaster book. That's right. Oh, same writer, same writer, Jed McKay. And uh, she she has to help the South Korean superheroes in this particular, you know mission they have when their their version of superman is basically corrupted and she has to help and nothing to do he's with been, the main he's been body snatched he's been body snatched by a big old fat nerd and uh <laughs> um oh this was i thought that the story was great just it's zero to do with what they've been doing through these annuals but i didn't really care because i, it's an, I, I mean, don't it's really an, care it's a classic annual 
Yeah. You know, it's a slightly longer story that's, you know, part of continuity, but just out of the thing that they were doing. And, you know, they got a real good handle on Black Cat here. Uh, it's a good, just like the, it's, it's riding the line just right. I thought the villain was fun and silly and menacing and also goofy all at the same time. What I like is that they don't shy away from Black Cat's sexiness, but they don't revel in it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not it's not exploitative, but they don't shy away from the fact that she's this, you know, sexy, buxom, leather-clad hero who is she worries that she's too promiscuous to survive the horror story. You know, mm-hmm. like they don't hide it from it, but they don't they don't like they don't exploit it. So I like that. Um, and then I'm gonna forgive you, Josh, for all these script errors because you're still, probably still high on painkillers from your your accidents but the final chapter of hellfire gala corner is here uh x factor number 20 which is also the final issue of the x factor series and i'm sorry x factor number 10 and uh this issue is an overview of the party in which we start before the party as the x factor team is getting ready we we see a little bit of the party and in the aftermath of the party and the big reveal here is that the X-Factor Gala wasn't just a fun little experiment that Marvel did. There was also a murder. And the person who was murdered was the Scarlet Witch. And I wish I hadn't been spoiled by the Marvel press announcement they put out on Wednesday. You should talk to somebody at Marvel. I got my inbox that said, who killed the Scarlet Witch at the Hellflower Gala? I don't know, Marvel. I haven't read the books yet. It's noon. (laughs) So... (laughs) Um... I wasn't super shocked because, again, I saw the fucking press release. But, you know, it was sad. Tommy, from as we talked about earlier, the Young Avengers finds his mother's body. That was really sad. And uh, so the question is, who amongst all these mutants who hate her because she did the No More Mutants thing murdered Scarlet Witch? I mean, they've all and got How long will she remain dead? Because she, she's going to be in a Doctor Strange movie and just started her own TV series. So, um, they've, they've all got a lot of personal problems, those mutants. They got shit to work out. You know, all this empty sex can't, you know, can't go on forever. No, and we're starting to see the consequences of it. We talked about that last week when you were in, in traction. But um, it, uh, you know, Wolverine's on the case. They want to know where Magneto is. I think they all think Magneto did it. That seems to be the what the press release said. I don't know. I was annoyed. At least, at least give me a day, Marvel. Yeah. We're not all on the East Coast. It's not about you, Connor. It's not about you're enjoying the stories. It's not about yes. you, the main kind of consumer of their stuff. Moving units. Move those units. Move those units. Get God, get somebody at the New York Post to put in a story. That's that's what it's about. Well, those books we want to talk about, but at patreon.com slash ifanboy, every patron can vote to add a book to the rundown. Everyone gets a vote. This week it was a horse race. It was a tight race that was won by one single vote. And the winner this week was Green Arrow, 80th anniversary, 100-page super spectacular number one which is also the pick of the week. Which means we're done. The question is, what are the ratings? Ratings. Mm-hmm. And, ratings. And you're not sticking with it because there was just the one. We can't stick with it. It's impossible. I would, I, would totally, I would totally stick with a Green Arrow book if there was one. But there the, is the, one. The, grand, the monthly Green Arrow 100-page anthology story issue? Well, if it was this good, Fair maybe. Enough. I'm going to give this a, four and a 4.5 out of 5. Yeah, I think I'd go with that. And the and the, it's largely weighted towards the end, which would get us a, a solid five. Oh, that five, that last story is a five. No, no, no question is asked. Patreon.com slash fanboy. Every page of the book the rundown, but if you give it the five dollar higher level, you get your super higher live on the show. Like Duke White. Duke White, in addition to being a great saxophone player, <laughs> can always spot the Canadian actor in any TV American TV show. <laughs> get out. He's like, oh, Canadian. Because you know what? They're hiding. They're all around us, Josh. People don't use the term sneaky when right. they talk about Canadians. Devious. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't done this in a while. <laughs> we haven't done this bit. This bit goes over great with the Canadian listeners. We don't so, ever get emails. Sorry. No. Sorry, guys. Sorry. What's it's great, though, is fun. that they're mad at us, but then they apologize for it. Boom. Right. I mean, I'm watching Shit's Creek right now, so this is heavily in my mind, but, uh-huh. um, you know. But like other shows, I'm like, oh, look at that Canadian guy. He's definitely Canadian. <laughs> you can tell. What's in your wallet? <laughs> Mike Cutler is unable to be spoiled. <laughs> oh. If anything, so if he, if anything so if comes in. Watching, 
so my uh, Wednesdays at, at my yeah. computer, and the email comes in with the giant who killed Scarlet Witch thing. He would just not see anything. It'd be blank. He would see it, but when it comes to the point of that story point coming up in a thing, that information is gone as if it had never been there. He forgot it. He forgets it. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's the best way to go about things because he gets all the enjoyment of the stories, but he doesn't have to worry. He can be on any kind of social media. I mean, just the only problem with social media for him is is not spoilers. Everything else is still awful. But yeah, the toxicity of the the psychological damage. Yeah, yeah. No, that's 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 it's still destroying the earth. Um, right. but he won't be spoiled. He can he can he can go in and watch his Loki or, or his whatever. Which is the most important. I mean, if, if that's Forget all you society have, crumbling social media, well, TV shows being spoiled is the biggest concern. You know, it starts there. It started there. Right. That was our first clue way back when. I was like, "Oh man, why are you telling me that? I don't, I don't want to know that." Brad Shower, Shower, mm-hmm. Shower, Shower can manifest can manifest a hat rack at, at any moment. Any kind of hat rack, as intricate as you know, as you want, it's, as nice or as humble as you want. It's a very specific need. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Listen, a lot of people don't wear hats anymore. It's not the forties, but and when they do, you, you don't necessarily need a rack, right? But he could do it if you need it. Just imagine on their on his like superhero team adventure, like I'll bring it back with fire. I'll suck the oxygen out of the room. I oh good, a fucking hat rack. <laughs> Thanks, Brad. <laughs> And he's Listen, just like, it's, huh? it's, it's a classy adornment to your house if you need it. He can bring around, he can per- make you the perfect one. It's yeah. Just pops it into existence. I'm seeing brass, but then like an oak one. Sure. It's been stained. You know, if you've nice got like a, a lodge, you want like a nice dark wood, hand, look, it looks like it's hand carved. Uh huh. Or, you know, you're in like some modern granite and glass thing. Mm-hmm. He can do that for you. Okay. Yeah. Any kind. <laughs> Hat rack. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Jim Hearn has the ability to make people unattractive to other people by way of pheromones. You know, uh, there are pheromones yeah, yeah. that can make somebody seem more attractive or alluring. He can yeah. adjust the pheromones that a person is putting out to be unattractive to somebody who would other fi- otherwise find them attractive. Whoa, that's a that's a morally Touchy power. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it gives leaves, leaves Jim with a lot of questions about how, how to sure. be, uh, how it can be applied. But it was awesome in high school. <laughs> <laughs> what is she doing with him? Let me fix that. <laughs> wow. What you can do that... is make everybody else unattractive, thereby leaving yourself as the best alternative. Which is well, evil. Yikes. I'm pretty sure that's evil. Yeah. He's a, he's a low-level supervillain. Yeah, sure. In high school. Yeah. That's, Sorry, well. Jim. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. You can vote to add a book to the rundown. You can get your superpower live in the show. And uh, there you go. Josh, what do you want to do? Let's do one of them. Okay. Pick one. Let's do the first one by Dallas T. He says, I've recently been reflecting on the king of comics, Jack Kirby, and the mark he left on this medium that we love so much. Specifically, I've been thinking about which work feels like his seminal piece. Is it the fourth world? Is it Fantastic Four or something else? What single run of Jack Kirby's would you say is his magnum opus? It's Fantastic Four. It's not even a question. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's, that's widely regarded. It's his, it is his magnum opus. It went for 100, what, 108 issues. 100 and... 10 or 5? Yeah, something like that. This I remember is, Bendis like had passed it in Ultimate Spider-Man and that was like the, the, the mark. It was a big deal. Yeah. yeah. No one had done it in since the 60s. I mean, did it in the 2000s. So 40 years, no one had passed the one artist, writer team doing one single book for 100 plus issues. Yeah. Um, in terms of Marvel superhero, DC, DC Marvel comics, not, you know, obviously indie comics have done that, but um, it's, 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 it's widely regarded as, as the greatest marvel run of all time and therefore and also as the you know it's the comic book that changed superhero comics in how they approach characterization and and story and uh you know that human quality um you know and and it's it's 
much debated and always will be how much of that was Stan and how much of that was Jack. Um, but you know, I, I think the majority of what you're seeing that comes out of that is if you took Jack Kirby away from you, putting anybody else in it and it wouldn't be the same thing. And it, it's, it's um, interesting if you go back through that run, how many things came out of it that are still part of the Marvel universe today are still concepts worth revisiting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely his, like, that's, that's, yeah. For yeah. sure. I mean, he's done a lot of great stuff, but that's that's it. That's the that's the one run. If you had to hold up any run, he did it's Fantastic Four. The the mixed media that they used, and mm-hmm. which he's not didn't pioneer there, but brought to critical acclaim there, and then used in other places. And the the epic character stuff over the course of all that, that time, and all the characters that were introduced, all the Marvel concepts that were introduced that are still used today. Space Galactus, gods. Black Panther, and humans, and cosmic cosmic cubes, and you know, just every you know. Hell, we talked about several of them on the show today. They came mm-hmm. out of that run. And that's yeah. that's that's the run. And and that's it's it. interesting that you can make that his seminal work because that also has to be in comparison to all of the other things that he did. You know, mm-hmm. like creating a genre of romance comics, creating Captain America. You know, uh, all of those other things. You know, are behind that, which is which is pretty amazing. But yeah, no, I think I think you're right. Yeah, that's the deal. If Thanks, you, Dallas. Yeah, if you want to write in, you can go to contact.ifanboy.com and send us in a question or a note. Uh, and also, if you want to send in questions for our monthly Media Explode show, that's the way to do it. You can stick Media Explode in the subject line if you'd be so kind. Um, but otherwise, uh, that's the way to go. We try to get to as many as we can, but we talk a lot. Um, so the special edition shows that are out, these podcasts that are outside of our regular pick of the week show, uh, there is a, uh, media spoiler that just came out, uh, with main topic airs, the second season of mythic quest, the Apple plus television program. Um, mm-hmm. that's out now when you are listening to this, it is available. It should be. And uh, <laughs> barring, <laughs> barring any disaster, which I have to email you frantically and say, Hey, take that whole part out. Right. Uh, we should have it. Yes. I won't be doing that just to put the click, the ticking clock on you, the 60 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. No, it'll come out. That's fine. <laughs> um, then there was the last book split we did, which is injustice gods among us year one, the complete collection, uh, where we talked about that big Tom Taylor and a thousand other artists, uh, collection of their alternate superhero world in DC. And then lastly behind that is the, the last Talksplode show with Tom Scholey. Uh, again, if you like that Kirby talk, that's, that's a place to go. Uh, check that mm-hmm. out. Um, and then soon, let's see, the next, like, there'll be a Talksplode before the next book explode, but the next book explode is True Believer, The Rise and Fall of Stan Lee by Abraham Reisman, um, which uh, basically it's a prose book, so we're giving you lots of time to prepare for that. And also before that, um, there will be a show about Black Widow, the film, which we forgot to mention before because movies just didn't enter our thinking process until recently because there just haven't been movies. And there will also be a Batman The Long Halloween Part 1 animated special at some point once uh, it hits uh, the rental market, which is in a couple of weeks. So those those are films. Those shows will be coming out next week. It's going to be busy next six weeks of extra shows. Cool. There'll be a talk explode in there sometime. I have an idea, mm-hmm. but I'll see if I can arrange it. Head over to ifanboy.com. You can find all of our old shows, our vast history of comic book writing, all of our, from all the writers we had over the years, and just a, a hundred different, you know, interview podcasts and book explodes and yep. things like that from, from long ago. Um, you can go to facebook.com slash ifanboy or at ifanboy on Twitter or at ifanboycomics on Instagram. Um, you can find out what the pick of the week is before it comes out and whatever else we post up there when shows come out and things like that. You can follow us individually on Instagram at C.S. Gilpatrick and J.A. Flanagan and you can subscribe to our YouTube page at youtube.com slash ifanboy uh, as we are uploading our old video shows uh, mm-hmm. from, from the good old days how far are we through that? When I say we, I mean not me. We have about 50 of the regular shows left. Mm-hmm. It's pretty fast. So that's, that's two a week. So that's, you know, you got 20 some odd weeks left of the regular shows. Um, I don't know how many left of the minis, but there's a lot of those. It's, it's going to be, a, it'll all be done within a year. All right. There won't, yeah. Uh, this past week was a mini on a voicemail and it was, how is the Green Lantern Corps organized? And you and Ron discussing that. Oh, because I don't know the answer to it right now. I probably didn't know. Well, it that yet. was you were the you were the that was your role in the in the mini. Oh, was to not know and to show off your tattoo. 
Do we think Ron knew? I don't. I don't think he knows. <laughs> he calls him a corpse. So no, that's a problem. Uh, there is a show on Miracle Man, which was a big deal at the time because it was hard to get the Miracle Man comic. But we got our hands on it. We read it and we talked about it. And uh, Alan Moore's sort of first real notch uh, on the comic book world, um, <laughs> which is still worth reading. Um, and then there was a show on Green Lantern. I'm assuming that was when the movie came out. Yeah, so that's why there was two Green Lantern shows. Well, those are different times. But yeah, no. so just random chance that those came out together. But yeah, yeah. That was before we knew <laughs> about that movie. <sighs> if you like the show, write us a review or leave a star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, whatever aggregator you use. It helps people find the show. It helps the algorithms promote the show. We thank you. Do that for any podcast you listen to. It's help, it really helps shows by leaving them reviews and star ratings even better than that is word of mouth tell your friends your mom your kids your letter carrier um you know it's holiday weekend in america maybe at your cookout that you're having in a safe way maybe tell everybody maybe have it playing in the background while you're cooking Mm. that could be a thing it's not always family friendly just you know no but you have a very conservative aunt you're like what is this you know just you know that's true. That is true. What, or uh, what you could do is more what I call the Josh Flanagan method is if you are having a bunch of people over, you can find yourself a room where there is nobody and go listen to the show then. Or if you have to mingle with them, just put them some headphones and listen in a group wow. setting. <laughs> All right. And then, and this is key, you want to take advantage of the Irish goodbye and just leave it somewhere. In your, in your own house? I've done it. <laughs> just left, just gone, go get a donut. I feel like this is an interrogation, but yes, that's perfectly valid. <laughs> <laughs> Help us spread the life fanboy love and the word all around the world. Thank you very much, especially in Canada. We appreciate you, Canadians. And um, until next time, I'm Connor. Can you let us move there? Yeah, we'll take it. Can, you, can somebody can you sponsor us? How does that work? Can we'll start talking like you? We'll we'll do our best to assimilate. Yeah, totally. Uh, I'm Josh. I'm Connor. I don't really like beer that much. They you know, like you'll learn beer. to like it. Okay. Do can, can I just watch hockey, or do I have to play hockey? You can watch. You can not not the, not at our age. Well, I bet I bet that's like a normal thing. People at our age do play hockey, but not not to start. Right. Okay. That's fair. I okay, I understand that. Those muscles will never develop now. If you haven't <laughs> if you haven't gotten that that skate groin muscle in place, don't start now. It'll, yeah, s- it'll snap like an aged rubber band. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs>